Thanks so much, brother. I appreciate it. I don't know about the not grandpa thing. I got the grandpa beard going on. Um, it is such a pleasure to be here with all of you this morning. Jose Mateo, I was going to come up and speak in Spanish, but uh, next service. Um, dude, thanks so much, man. It's, it's so funny. You know, how we, you know how I know we serve the same God? Um, because the message this morning that I'm going to be speaking to you guys about is all about joy and what we find our joy in, what we find our happiness in. And it's laid up by like what, what, what happened with, with uh, David in the book of Psalms. And anyway, I was sitting there and I was like, God, you're so awesome. You are the same God and all of this. So, so great, great. Um, I, uh, my wife and I live over by the battery. Um, so go Braves. Um, we, uh, we have, uh, we've been, uh, as, as uh, Dustin said, we've been part of uh, Image Church for uh, since it started, or you know, right, roughly thereabouts. And um, man, I'm so excited to be here. So so excited to be here. But the interesting thing is, like, I feel like I'm home because, again, another Summit Collaborative Church. Like, we have a connection center, right? We've got the you are sent language. We've got the same. It's the same God. The same. So my peeps, I'm with you guys. All right. Um, and and uh, I know this is a holiday weekend, but but how many guys are happy your kids are back in school? <laughs> yes, right. Um, I, I remember when I was in elementary school. Uh, that was a long, long time ago. Um, in, in case you're wondering, 51 years old. It's, I just let's get that out of the way. Was, how old is that guy? Um, but I remember when I was in, in elementary school. Um, I had to learn. Things like the preamble of the Constitution, uh, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence. You guys remember those things? Um, and I don't remember all of them, but, but there's one thing that I do remember. And, and that is the, one of the sentences of the Declaration of Independence that said, and we, we know this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that what? All men are created equal and what? Are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I don't know about you, but as a kid, as a kid, I didn't really understand these things, like pursuing happiness. What is that to a kid? A kid, every day is happy to a kid, right? You're just existing. Um, but as an adult, you best believe that the goal in my life has been pursuing happiness. Um, and I think if, if, if we're all, if we're honest in here, um, the, the question that we all ask ourselves is, um, how do you find it? Or better yet, what do we find happiness or joy in, right? Um, for some of us, happiness is found in relationships, in sports, um, in gaining financial freedom. Uh, for some of us, uh, happiness is found in a cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fits just right. And the radio, no? Um, I did a Google search. I did a Google search on um, happiness is found in like, dot, dot, dot. You know, you complete it, right? And, and it, this is what Google answered. Uh, happiness is found in. It, it says happiness is found within. This is one of them. Okay. Happiness is found when you stop comparing. This is what Google says. Happiness is found in March. I don't know why March is a magical month of happiness, um, in helping others, and happiness is found in the darkest of times. That's what Google said. And then this is the best one I found. Happiness is found in Herkel Durkling. Herkel Durkle 
is a 200-year-old Scottish term, which means to lounge in bed long after it's time to get up. I would agree that is Herkel, that happiness is found in Herkel Dirkel. Um, but listen, whether you find happiness in Herkel Dirkling or whether you find happiness chilling at the beach, no matter what it is, um, happiness, according, according to the world, is based on your definition. It's subjective, right? It's according to your definition of happiness. And not only is it subject, subjective, but whether you realize it or not, happiness is probably based on something circumstantial, right? Based on something changed, something changing, something that's fleeting. And so the Bible, especially the book of Psalms, is, is, is replete um, with, with what happiness is, but it takes a, a bit of a different approach. And in fact, the very first Psalm says, how happy, or, or some translations say, or blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor, uh, nor sit, uh, I'm sorry, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so the Psalms show us uh, not, it, it, it's, it's not found in what we pursue, but rather who we pursue, or rather who pursues us. And so this morning, I want to read Psalm 32 with all of you um, and glean from David and, and see if we could get some insights on what, what, what this thing, happiness, is. So Psalm 32, verses 1 through 11, hear the word of the Lord this morning. It says, of David, a maskil, how joyful is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Selah. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who's faithful pray to you immediately. When great flood waters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place, and you protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and show you the way to go with my eye on you. I will give counsel. Do not be like a horse or mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and bridle, or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is God's word. This psalm is... Is, is listed as a, a maskil, M-A-S-K-I-L. It's a Hebrew word for, for instruction and an enlightened uh, saying, uh, a wise saying. And it's one of what we call the penitential psalms. It's Psalm 51, Psalm 32. There are a few other ones. And I preached a message a little while ago on Psalm 51. It was so awesome that you, pre- that you t- spoke on that today. And this is a sister passage to Psalm 51 in which he wrote after... Um, he had been, uh, his sin with Bathsheba had been exposed. 
And there's a passage in Psalm 51 that says, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. And so scholars believe that Psalm 32 is this David fulfilling what he wrote. Right? I'm going to teach people um, your ways and sinners to return to you. And so and it's the psalm in which we find David rejoicing um, in the fact that though he had committed some of the most heinous uh, acts against God and his people, God still forgave him. Um, and so let's take a look at the passage. He says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The word joyful here, it's a Hebrew word. I'm no Hebrew scholar, but I looked this up. Um, and the Hebrew word is, is a Hebrew word called asher. And asher is sometimes translated happy or blessed or joyful. Your translations might say, how happy is the man or how blessed is the man or joyful is the man. And the word describes someone who's, who's privileged or happy. And, and the book of Psalms commonly uses this expression to, to indicate someone who's fortunate or privileged. Another way to read this passage is to say, True happiness, listen to this, true happiness is found in the person who really deeply understands that they've been forgiven. And so he goes on to say, how joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. What David's saying is that true happiness is found not in a thing, but in an identity. Yeah? So we're going to unpack that throughout the rest of our time this morning, but, but the first point I want to make is this. True happiness, true happiness, can only be found when you truly understand forgiveness. True happiness can only be found when you truly understand forgiveness. And so what I want to call this to, to all of you this morning is, is a forgiven first identity. I may be many things, but I'm forgiven first. Um, so for David, he'd been forgiven, again, for, for, for some of the, some pretty bad things. And he understood that he didn't deserve anything other than death, judgment, separation from God. But instead, he receives forgiveness. And that changes everything for him. He also uses this word transgression. A transgression is breaking a command or a law, whether you're, you're people say whether you're cheating, speeding, or mistreating. You're, you're committing a transgression. Um, it's not a word we really use today, right? It's like, Nolan, you transgress me, bro. Like, we, we, don't, we don't talk like that, right? But what we do, we transgress daily. In fact, some of us may have transgressed the speed limit on the way here this morning. But think, but think about that, though. Have, have, you ever, have you ever been pulled over for speeding? Anybody? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. Shame, shame you for that. But, um, but how do you feel when those lights are like behind you? It's if you haven't, by the way, it's terrifying. Your knees buckle. You you get all numb. Your heart races. You're shaking. And uh, and I remember I was pulled over once, and I tried to explain my way out of it. And and but but by the way, to my surprise. It, the, the, the officer gave me a warning. He said, Slow down, you're going too fast. Like, you know. Um, and 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 by the way, when you're when you get caught like that, and I, I mean, I wasn't going that fast. <laughs> but when you get caught and and you get let go, like, it's it's an awesome feeling, it really is. I don't know if you can relate um, 
But how, but how anybody ever let, got let go? For, for, yeah, see, there you go. Just, you feel relieved. You feel happy, right? By the way, the, the, I wish I would have come up with what I think is one of the greatest excuses of all time when you get pulled over, which is, I'm sorry, officer. I was just trying to reach 88 miles per hour so I could get back to the future. Um, but, but that's what David's getting at is that however you feel at that moment when, like, when, 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 when you get caught and you get forgiven for, like if you could bottle that up, that emotion, that, that thing, if you could bottle that feeling up, that's how Christians who know that they're forgiven should feel every day. That's our, that should be our, our heart posture every day. He calls it happiness. He calls it blessed. He calls it joy. Why? Because he understands that the only thing that ultimately matters ultimately, is his relationship with God, period. Now, before you start throwing things up at me and say, why, why did Billy call this dude? He's very unrealistic. Um, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you can't find happiness in other things. My wife brings me, brings me happiness. My grandchildren bring me happiness. Another Braves World Series victory would bring me happiness. And so would... A cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans to fit just so, No, okay, I'll, I'll stop. Um, but I'm not saying that we're not allowed to be angry or sad or suffer or that you can't find happiness in created things. What I'm saying is that when those things don't work out, and when you haven't gotten that job or that promotion yet, when you haven't accomplished that goal yet that you've been shooting for, when your relationship isn't quite where you wanted it to be. You don't have to be devastated by that because if, if you're a Christian in here, then you have a truth that surpasses all of those circumstances. And that truth is um, that God, through Jesus Christ, has done everything necessary to give you right standing with him and has secured eternal life with him. That's like amen. By the way, it's okay if you guys say amen or hallelujah as I'm, as I'm preaching. I'm not sure that that's okay with you, but, but, do, but do you believe that? Yeah? If so, does your life reflect it? What's your reaction when things don't go quite the way you expected? Are you a joyful person in the midst of trial? And I'm not saying joy like, like, hey, I'm happy that I'm going through this, and you have a fake smile. Or, I'm not saying it's like there's joy. There's just like a certain peace about it. Say, so, you know what? I don't, I don't know why I'm going through everything I'm going through, but there's something greater here at work, and there's something greater that I can put my trust in than this circumstance that I'm in. Um, but so, 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 but if you're not, if that's not you, if you don't find joy in the midst of that, then what you need today isn't a reminder to, to just try harder, like that song said, don't worry, be happy. That's, that, that's hard to do. Um, a, a, a simple reminder of, of a truth is more of what you need. And so let me remind you of this. If you are a Christian today, let me give you some good news real quick. Your transgressions before the Lord are forgiven. Your sin is covered. The Lord does not count iniquity against you, Dustin, Nolan, Jim, Sam. I'm good with the name, Vince. 
Plankton, I mean, uh, Landon. I called him Plankton earlier. I thought his name was Plankton. I was like, who names their kids Plankton? But there's, as one pastor puts it, cheer up. You're, you are, you're worse than you think you are. But follows that up with, but cheer up, you're more loved than you can ever think or imagine. That's the beauty of, of the gospel. Or, or maybe you're on a different side of this. Maybe the reminder you need today is, is that you're actually a sinner and maybe you've forgotten. And is, there's a passage in the book of Luke where Jesus tells this parable. It's, it's Luke chapter 7. And he says that there, there's a creditor and the creditor has two debtors. And they, they both owed money that neither of them could pay back. And, and one owed money that the other, uh, more, more money than the other, but... But he, the, the, the owner graciously uh, forgave both of them. And Jesus asked Peter, he says, in this passage, which of them, or in this story, which of them do you think will forgive him more? And Peter, and Peter answers Jesus and says, well, I suppose the one that he forgave more. And Jesus goes on to say, that's right, Peter, you're right when you say that. Um, because the one who is forgiven much loves much. But the one who's forgiven little loves little. And the point that Jesus is making is that in order to realize how great your forgiveness, you have to remember how great your sin is. And so you want to love, if you're, if you're having a problem with your relationship with God, loving God this morning, I would tell you, don't try harder. Just remember how big of a sinner you are. Make much of your sin so that you could make much of the forgiveness so that the Lord's love and jo the joy and the peace and the happiness that you find in there. Does that make sense? So let me ask you, uh, do you find yourself in a place where forgiveness is not that amazing to you anymore? And so the question I have for you is, do you realize the gravity of your sin? It's easy to forget. But at the same time, don't stay there. When you remember your sinfulness, do you remember the beauty of your forgiveness? The new identity you've been given is forgiven because of Jesus. It's a, it's a beautiful two-step dance, right? You're both a sinner and a saint at the same time. And I think this is what, what, what was going through David's mind when he wrote this song. He understands the depths of his depravity, and yet how deeper still the mercies of God. And so what does David do? What does this allow for, for, for David to do? It allows for him to be confessional. As Nolan said, when, when the prophet Nathan confronts David about his sin, in 2 Samuel, uh, he, tells, he tells David he's been caught in the act. You are the man. I don't know if you guys know the story. If you don't, 2 Samuel 11. But he says, you are the man. And David tells Nathan, I, I've sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan responds, and the Lord has taken your sin away. You'll not die. He's remembering that moment. It, I've sinned. The Lord forgives you. Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't just going a little bit over the speed limit for David, by the way. It's big. It was massive. Let me tell you something in here. Nothing, no sin that you have committed in your past is too great that God can't forgive you. No sin that you will commit in the future is so great that it's not forgiven either. Because God loves you perfectly today, 
for everything you've done, doing, will do. It doesn't give us license to sin. It gives us the ability to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I want to live and surrender my life for you. And so he was remembering. I think he's remembering that. But you know what I think he was also remembering? I think he was also remembering how big of a burden, how heavy of a burden he was carrying um, while he was hiding his sin. Because yeah, no, he hid it for a while. And then look at verse three. He says, when I kept silent, my bones, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. I think we can all relate based on the summer we had here, how, how, how hard that is. So he realized that holding his sin in had, had caused him to carry this huge weight. He's saying his strength was drained as in the summer of heat. He, 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 he says, ah, you know, he's struggling with it. But then he does his two-step dance, sinner, saint, repentance and faith. But he's, look at verse five. Then, as he's feeling this weight, then I acknowledge my sin to you and didn't conceal my, my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. This is acknowledging his sin, which is repentance. And you forgave my guilt, my sin, which is his believing that he was forgiven. Sin or saint, repentance, faith. This is what a good friend of mine, Dr. Tom Wood, calls a two-step, the gospel two-step. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. This is what we walk in. And so do you believe the same is true for you today? If so, what does knowing this truth do for you? What does it do for you? How do you respond to it? Well, if, if God has forgiven you and has given you a new identity, um, covered, free, then it should lead you to what we call a forgiven first identity. And that forgiven first identity leads to one thing, freedom. You see, forgive is something that you do. Forgiven is something that you are. Forgiven is something that, that God has done for you. Forgiven is something that you are. It's an identity. And a forgiven person has freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from guilt. Freedom from self-loathing. Freedom from self-condemnation. From condemning others. Ooh. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but here's what I don't need in my life. I don't need another voice outside of my own, the voices inside my head, reminding me of my issues. I can do that all by myself. What we need, what all of us need, what I need, is someone reminding me of the identity that Christ has given me as sinner saint, as forgiven. And so is this you today? You believe you've been forgiven. If so, the good news is that a forgiven first identity frees you from condemnation. Not only this, a forgiven first identity also frees us to be open about our sin, confess our sin to one another. Have you, have you ever had something that you were hiding from someone, maybe even happening now? Married people in here, like, how's your marriage? Who are you sharing your struggles with? I, I, let me share a few stats with you, especially for married people. 
Um, according to a study that was conducted in June, June of this year, this is a breakdown of the American divorce rate by, by religion. Catholics divorce at a 19% rate. Mormons, 9%. Maybe because they marry everybody, I don't know. Je- Jehovah's Witnesses, 9%. Orthodox Christian, 9%. Muslim, 8%. Jewish, 9%. Hinduism, 5%. Buddhism, 10%. Protestant, non-Catholic Christians, us, 51%. Born-again evangelical church Christians, 33%. These numbers are staggering. But listen, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And the church, God's people, aren't immune to the effects of sin. And so my question to you guys is like, who are you sharing those struggles with? If you have a forgiven first identity, you can do this. So who are you confessing your sins to? Here's here's one other stat for you. A majority, 57% of men ages 30 to 49, report having watched pornography in the past month. And 42% say they watched it in the past week. Again, you don't need an outside voice from me trying to shame you. The Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. You don't need me to do that. I'm not sharing these with you uh, to shame you at all. I'm sharing them so that you would have awareness that this stuff happens inside the church. And I believe the reason why it's happening is because we're too ashamed to talk about our struggles with one another. But we're called to be a confessional people. If you're forgiven, then what are we fearing man about? And so I believe the reason why we're doing this is because we're not walking in our forgiven first identity. And so let me give you some good news that might bring you some peace. Um, You don't have to hide your sin. The greatest person you could have ever offended knows the worst version of you and doesn't count it against you. And that's what David says when he, that's that's what it means. The Lord does not charge you with iniquity. He doesn't hold it against you. David said, your sin is covered. It's already hidden in Christ. So you don't have to hide the real you from him or anyone else. That's good news. That's good news, y'all. That's the gospel. And so the gospel frees you to be a confessional people. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Listen, that's one of the one another. There's 59 of them. That's one of the one another passages. One another, one another. Confess your sins to one another. So I admonish you, don't fear man. Fear of loss, fear of rejection, shame, guilt. Keep that sin bottled up inside. This is what David means when he says, in whose spirit is no deceit. I remember a a story. um, I'll share share a story with you guys. There's one time, um, so my wife and I, hey, babe. My wife, Anna. Um, my wife and I have been married for 29 years, and uh, I would love to tell you 29 amazing years. Um, but we've had our ups and downs, right? It's been awesome. The Lord's been gracious. Um, it's 29 years, right, babe? Okay, cool. So, <laughs> so, um, so during one of those years, um, one of us is better than the other with finances. Um, and one of us likes to spend a little bit more than the other one. I'm not going to say who it is. But, but, um, but anyway, uh, some, someone had a credit card behind the other person's back. 
and had racked up not too big of, of, of a bill, but still had a bill and had not shared this thing. And uh, one of us <laughs> was, was carrying, um, she was, was carrying a, a big, a big, just, you know, there was a lot of tension in our relationship, it was, it was all this stuff. And then uh, I remember her, you know, babe, I got to tell you something. I got to share something with you. And she finally, t- I think it was like, that was like $1,500. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have $10,000 of the debt. It wasn't massive. But back then, raising three, it was massive to me, right? And so, but she, I remember the day she told me. And, and, and it was so freeing and liberating for her. And I remember the, I remember the, 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 what that caused in us was like this, recon- this, this just great, reconciliation of our relationship. And there was this peace that we just had not experienced in a while because, and the point in that isn't to shame my wife, by the way, love you, thank you. Uh, um, this was a long time ago, by the way. Um, it's, it, it, it's not to say that, right? It's to say that sin puts this massive burden on you. And if you have a forgiven first identity, you can say, I'm not gonna fear my husband, my wife, my friend, my whatever. I'm going to be able, I'm going to, I want to confess. I want to say something to you that, and by the way, the consequences of it, we, you know, we had to pay the debt back. That hurt both of us. There, there was, there's a pace and there's a cost that comes associated with it. But in, in our sin world, Jesus paid the cost for all of it. That makes sense? Amen? Um, and listen, I'm not trying to tell you, hey, go out here and post all of your sins on social media. In fact, I think it was John Piper, John Piper says, tell everyone that you sin, that you struggle, um, but find a few trusted friends that can speak the gospel in your life and tell them what you struggle with. It's advice that I've, or good, good word right there. That's why it's super important at, at, uh, at Image Church, I lead, I was telling Dustin earlier, I lead um, uh, discipleship groups at our church. And discipleship groups for us are, are, are gender-based Groups, uh, groups of three or four men with men, women with women, who meet regularly. Uh, we confess sin with one another. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We do the one another thing, and then we gospel one another. And and the point isn't to make you feel better about yourself or even to to shame each other. It's to feel encouraged and ultimately to point you to Christ in every aspect of your life. So if you're if you're not doing those. You, sh- you should, you know, start, you know, begin to think about, like, how can I grow deeper in my relationship? It's not, by the way, I'm going to tell you where it's not going to be. You're not going to find it if you just come once on a Sunday morning from 10 to 11, and you think you're going to leave, and you're going to get everything that you need for the week. That's like eating once a week. You need more. And so you're going to need to exercise with, with fellow believers. You're going to need to, to, to sup with fellow believers. And so, um, so and that's a very practical way that this stuff pl- plays out. And so if you have a f- forgiven first mentality, you'll be also able to accept criticism from others. You'll be able to walk in your present state of sinner and saint. If I know I'm a sinner, it used to be difficult for me to, any men, are you in here, like when, you're, when your wife tells you something, the little lawyer inside your heart, it's objection. Um, I don't know if I, I have a little dude that's in there always doing that, but as I start to understand the forgiven first mentality that I have, 
I can begin to say, oh man, I did it again, didn't I? And there's no condemnation. The Bible says that. Romans, the book of Romans, Paul tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is this all making sense? How the Bible just comes together? It's awesome. It's God's people. Same God. We are the same. He is the same God. Um, and so when our spouses, our friends, our parents, our families will be able to point our issues, we won't have to make excuses or lie. And so you understand what David is saying now. He says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose, whose sin is covered. I could live a life of joy and peace because the, the main person that I offended forgave me and I'm okay. That, that, that I offended forgave me and I'm okay. How joyful is the person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. Joy, happiness, blessedness come from a place of being, not from a place of doing. So in other words, your belief drives your behavior. You do what you believe. You want to understand the pursuit of happiness like we, uh, read, like we uh, learned in the Constitution or in the Declaration of Independence? The real pursuit of happiness is found in Christ. Believe that the gospel is actually good news for you today, today, to get. And so uh, he says, he continues, I'm, I'm almost done here, but he, he continues, if everyone, uh, uh, he, he says, by the way, that, that if you look carefully, the implication of this verse is that, like, not everyone is forgiven. Not everyone is forgiven. You see, if everyone for, were forgiven, then David wouldn't say, how happy is the one who receives forgiveness. I think it's a reminder that this, that forgiveness is available to everyone, but only experienced by those who realize their need for it. Forgiveness is available to everyone, but only experienced by those who realize their need for it. And so for those of you in here who may not be Christian, I would call you to see your need for a new identity, one that the world doesn't offer. Because see, the world says do, Jesus says done. The world says work, Jesus says it's finished. And so the pursuit of happiness, according to the world, is always circumstantial. Social status, corporate success, financial freedom, appearance, possession, stuff. And all those things might be, they'll bring you temporary happiness. But true happiness, I'm here to tell y'all this morning, is found in a person. Not in a thing. That person is Jesus Christ. Who did everything necessary to give you the best identity you could ever have forgiven. And so David tells you, don't wait till it's too late. He says in verse 6, therefore let anyone who's faithful pray to you immediately. Immediately, right? When great flood, flood waters come, they'll not reach him. One day all this stuff will be gone. As the saying goes, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take your stuff with you. And so recognize your, 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 for, your need for forgiveness. Don't fall into the world's trap and definition, definition of forgiveness. Don't be, as David says in verse 8, stubborn like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with a bit and bridle or else it will not come near you. Heed to the warning that David gives in verse 10. Many pains come to the wicked, but listen to this. But the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. This is a beautiful psalm, y'all. You're going through it. Read this psalm over and over. It's a masculine. It's a, it's a saying. It's a, you can sing it as a song. And so David doesn't say that God will give us stuff. He reminds us that 
we'll have God's love, his forgiveness. And as New Testament people, we know that the love and forgiveness we've been given to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ is forever. It's amazing. Amen, y'all? So what? So what do we do with this? Quick, quick application. Number one is first remind yourselves and others of your daily identity as forgiven. Who are you today? What are you today? Forgiven. Who am I today? I'm forgiven by the God of the universe. The prophet Jeremiah says this, his mercies are new every morning. Second, let everything you do flow from your identity as forgiven first. Everything you do, how you deal with people, how you deal with yourself, how you deal with folks on the job, at home. Be quick to recognize the things that get in the way of you walking in your forgiven first identity. Also, acknowledge your sins to God and to one another every day. Find someone that you can share your struggles with. Pray with. Don't do, guys, do not do this Christian walk by yourself. I liken this to, to, to being, you, you ever, anybody barbecue and you put one coal in there, how, how hot will that thing get? Pretty hot. But it'll die out really quickly because there needs to be other lumps of coal in there keeping it hot. So maybe, maybe start, maybe create a discipleship group. I was talking to Dustin about it. I know, I know you guys want to, want to get there and do that. That's awesome. And third and final, meditate on the word. Psalm 1-2 says meditate on his word day and night. And, and listen, meditating isn't like, like the Eastern view of meditating, which says um, to empty your mind. Biblical meditating is to fill your mind with the word of God. Don't just read it. You, you guys know that like in the Old Testament, they didn't have the they didn't have the Bible in in their homes like we do. Like they had scrolls in the you know. It's not like they were like, hey, can you pull out this scroll of Isaiah for me? Bring it to the. It wasn't like, like they had to mem- They had to meditate, memorize the word, and they walked around happy as the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit stands in the way of. This is it. So fill your mind with the word, and so you can meditate on verse seven of our psalm reading this morning. David says this. Listen to what he says. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Selah. Amen? So let me close our time this morning the way David closes the psalm, by speaking this benediction over to you. He says, and I'll say this to you, be glad in the Lord and rejoice this morning. You righteous ones, shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let me pray for us. Lord, we do thank you for the forgiveness that we have as Christians received in Jesus Christ. We recognize, God, that in ourselves, in our hearts, there is nothing good according to your word but lord you call us good you call us righteous you call us blessed why because of the work of jesus and so my prayer this morning for for my people for my brothers and sisters 
is that you would remind them daily of their forgiven first identity. That you would free whoever in here today might be, might have a sin that they have not repented of, that they're too ashamed of talking to anyone about. That you would give them the freedom to know that they don't have to fear man. Because Jesus wipes away the fear of man. We're called to fear the Lord. And so thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting through your kindness, as you say in your word, Lord. Your kindness leads to repentance. And so my prayer this morning, God, for our people, for your people, is that you would allow for us to make much of our sin and even much more for the forgiveness and the work of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.